0: Hey, what's up everybody? It's your favorite quarterback hater, Robert Mathis,
1: and you're listening to the For the Culture Podcast. This is the For the Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Diamond, with my man Jason Spears, and the Colts finish it out. They beat the Lions 27-17, going 3-0, our first undefeated preseason since 1994. Granted, it's three games opposed to four games, and if Chuck Pagano was our head coach, I know he would be ecstatic right now going undefeated. I mean, that's basically the Super Bowl, right, Jason? Because it is. And I know I Rick mean, Venturi was happy. Yeah. All the bad coaches. I was yeah, I was
0: listening to Rick Venturi, man. He was uh, he was really into it. He wanted that win, man. He wanted it bad.
1: Oh, yeah. And I could only imagine if Chuck was on the sideline how badly he would have wanted it. It seems like the bad coaches care more about the preseason, and then the good coaches care more about the regular season. Because although we're 3-0, and what does it mean in two weeks when we play the Seattle Seahawks? absolutely nothing we'll be zero and zero if we were zero and three in the preseason we'd be zero and zero a couple years ago the browns went four and oh in the preseason and zero and 16 in the regular season so there's no carryover but i do think it speaks to the depth watching these games and watching as the third string come in our third strings better than your third string as the fourth string come in our fourth strings better than your fourth string and i think It speaks to what Chris Ballard has built here and how he doesn't just throw picks away in the fifth, sixth, seventh rounds, his undrafted free agents. I mean, you look at what Jackson did yesterday, and he paid that extra money to sign him as an undrafted free agent. He has an incredible game, and we already had a deep, loaded running back room. We went into the draft. We came out of the draft confident in our first four guys, Taylor, Mack coming off the injury, Hines, those three. Legit, And then Wilkins, one of the best, if not the best, fourth running back in the National Football League. We go out, we give that little signing bonus to Deion Jackson. 10 carries, 81 yards, the big 42-yard rushing touchdown, averaging 8.1 yards per carry yesterday and quarter touchdown from Hunley. So it just speaks to the depth of this roster, which could come into play at any time during the season. If you have to bring a guy up off the practice squad, if a guy gets hurt, if a guy goes down, Everything we complain about at the tackle position isn't a problem anywhere else on the roster. And I think although the win-loss record doesn't mean anything, I do think we saw that through these three preseason games, watching the depth come in, watching the backups come in, make plays. And in all three games, we got better as the game went on. And the deeper we went and our opponent went into our rosters and our depth charts, we got better. And all three quarterbacks led game winning or game taking lead drives in the fourth quarter of these three games, Ellinger in the first game, Eason in the second game, and then Hundley last night as the Colts finish it up three and in the preseason 27, 17 over the Detroit lions.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was a, it was a good game. It was, it was kind of similar to the first two games where we fell behind and then came back. I thought that, you made a great point about our running backs. The back-end guys, LeMay and Jackson, I like them a lot. I really do. I think LeMay is a guy – he's like a poor man's edger and James. Don't don't get what I'm saying confused. He's not edger and James. But what I mean is if you watch him run, he's always falling forward. He's always getting that extra yard. I, there's something – that kid – there's something about him. I, I definitely think he's good enough to play in the league. I, I don't know how – you know, if he's probably not a starter or maybe even a backup, but – I like the way he runs, and Deion Jackson, an outstanding game, and, I, and it made some really big plays, and I was, I was excited to see that for him because I know the Colts spent that extra money to sign him, like you mentioned. So it was good to see that. Um, a lot of stuff in this game that I took from it. I thought I was watching the backup safety position. I thought Sean Davis had a really, really tough game. He missed a ton of tackles. If I had one kind of – critical point that i would point to in this game that i that i thought was was bad was we did not tackle very well uh, especially in the first half and sean davis missed five six tackles dropped an interception so i don't know if he's going to make the team if it was based on what he's done in the preseason i would say probably not and he's probably a a practice squad guy i thought i was disappointed in him i'd been disappointed in Granson. For the most of the the preseason games, I mean, he's been good in training camp, but not great in the games. Last night, I thought Reich did a good job of getting him some confidence going forward, getting him some some easy catches, if you will. So I thought he was OK. Andrew Brown was good as far as backups go. I think he's had an outstanding camp and done a really good job on the D line, as well as Chris Williams. Those those guys made plays when they got a chance and that's all you can really ask for these backup players that you pick up is that when they get on the field they go out there and they make plays and put it on film and they did that i thought you know i think the backup three tech and defensive tackle spots are are going to be interesting because i do like chris williams and i really like andrew brown i think antoine woods is going to make the team taylor stalworth i haven't seen i mean he did i think he did have make a play last night But other than that, he hasn't done a lot this preseason or in training camp. He's been injured a lot. So there's a lot of interesting positions. I know we're going to talk about wide receiver in a minute, and I think some of the things that happened in last night's game might have an effect on who we keep. But uh, as far as just what I saw – Uh, Dion Jackson, you know, did a really good job. I think he certainly earned a spot on the practice squad. No question about that. And then also I thought Andrew Brown was really, really good. And then obviously Quiddy pay who I think we're going to talk about here in a second. Just an outstanding job. I was wondering why Frank was leaving him in so long though. He left him in so long. Uh, but he did a great job. And the only other drawback I can really think of, Rock got roasted on a press. You know, he's up in press coverage. Didn't get his hands on the receiver. That's not good. You got to get your hands on the receiver when you're up in press. If if, if Rock does not get his hands on a guy, it's a, it's a wrap. And he did not do it. The guy beat him for a touchdown, and it wasn't even close. Got him, a, you know, got across his face and the, on the slant route, and just it was a wrap. So Rock's got to get better, man. The, the The secondary, our number two corner, is definitely a concern for me because i haven't seen consistent play out of either rock or TJ Carry. I thought TJ Carry was a little better last year but um rock's really got to get it going man he's he's just got too many brain fart plays and uh any in another thing is you, you just don't ever want those plays to, to 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 snowball and they did last year so he's got to get it going man we've got to have a good number two corner or at least a number not number two but an outside corner he's going to be on the field a lot so and then the injuries. There was a lot of injuries last night. We hope that none of them are too serious. And Otevi went off the field on a cart. That's not good. I feel kind of bad because I talked all that trash about him. And he goes out and he gets hurt. And I feel feel kind of bad for him. But uh, you know, that's the game. Odom had a concussion, Granson got hurt. I think Patman hurt his foot, of course. It's gotta be a foot. And I think there were a couple other guys that got hurt, hopefully not calendar. too serious. Yeah, Ellinger, yeah, that one looks like it's serious, unfortunately, for him. That kid's had such a terrible, like, offseason with what happened with his brother. And now the, it, it, you just feel for the kid. Whether you're rooting for him or not, you feel bad for him. So a lot of stuff went on last night. We got two weeks – to. I mean, over two weeks, really. I mean, we've, we play a, a day from tomorrow, which – two weeks from tomorrow, which is pretty it, – it's a pretty good amount of time. So hopefully those guys will get back. But, you know, I know Luke wanted to talk about Quiddy because he had an outstanding, another outstanding performance for the time he was in there.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think the first thing that jumps off the page about Quiddy is he looks like the real deal and he looks like he's going to produce day one. And that's all you could hope for out of your first round pick. And we haven't had many first round picks from Ballard because usually we trade back or we move around. And I think Quiddy looks like a guy who's going to step in right away. And I think he could be a defensive rookie of the year candidate this year, not just because he has two sacks and two preseason games. But even when you looked at the draft this year, a lot of offensive players, a lot of quarterbacks, a lot of tackles, there weren't too many defensive players off the board, only one pass rusher off the board before pay. And that was Phillips to the Dolphins. So I really would not be surprised at all. If you see pay, have a defensive rookie of the year caliber season, Leonard won the award back in 2018. I thought Blackman as a third round pick had a case to be at least top five. He wasn't going to win it last year, but at least be who on it last year, chase young. So he was never taking it from young, but you could have made a case that he was in the top five for a portion of the season. Then he tailed off a little bit at the end, but he was probably about a top 10 to top 15. If you did an all rookie defense team last year, he starts at one of the safety spots. So, Ballard has a knack for drafting guys and Floos has a knack for developing them and sticking them right into the defense and having them produce right away and through two preseason games because he didn't play the first game because he got injured during camp. He's made multiple impact plays. He hasn't played a lot either, so he was only played maybe two, three quarters, and he's been getting in the backfield. On the same play, Taree beat Sewell, who was a top 10 pick this year, the tackle out of Oregon, and they both got to the quarterback. About the same time, Pay got there a little bit quicker. He got the ball out, strip sack, Stallworth recovered it. I don't know if that's the play you were talking about, but I know Stalworth was able to jump on that ball and recover the fumble for the Colts. And that was only like the third or fourth play of the game, and I know a lot of people were criticizing the tackles for the lines and the quarterback for dropping back too far, and all those things are true as well. But to see our guys go in there and take advantage, especially because Quiddy's going to see a lot of starting tackles during the regular season, to see him go up against... And I don't know because I assume Sewell's going to start at right tackle for them. So I don't know if that was their starting left tackle or not. But either way, I think Pay will be a day one starter or a guy who's going to see a ton of snaps right away during the regular season. And then we have Dio coming back at some point, hopefully in October. So a lot of optimism there at the edge spots. So we see Banigou what he did last week against the Vikings. Ture was active yesterday after... Missing some time with the shoulder the week before and then pay two starts, multiple productive plays. Also had another pressure to on third down in that game, had a tackle for loss last night in that game as well. So he looks like the real deal and he looks like a guy who's going to produce right away. So definitely excited about that because you hate seeing first round picks and at that position too, because that's a position that does take a little bit of time sometimes to develop. And it doesn't look like he's going to take too much time to make an impact which you have to be excited about.
0: Yeah, the thing that stands out to me about Quiddy, and I, I think I think this is kind of obvious if you watch if you single him out and watch him play is is his get off is second to none. He's very quick. The three cone drew, I think he ran in six nine, which is insane during the draft process. He definitely is going to be a starter from day one. He's going to start. I definitely agree with you. I think he's going to have a chance to make a really, really big impact. I think our defense has a chance to be – like I've, I've said this over and over again. If we stay healthy, knock on wood, and we can get some you know, decent play out of our number two cor- – or you know, second boundary corner, we should be a top five defense. And Koi's going to be a big part of that. I mean, he's – I still and I've said this repeatedly and people are probably tired of hearing me say it, but he was just not used correctly at Michigan. He was not lined up correctly. They played him out of position. And that's why his sack numbers were, were not great. It wasn't anything other than that. So I think he's going to have a good year. I think our rotation at defensive line is going to be the best it's been since the Reich Floos era began here. So uh, we have a lot of depth there. I like. I even like some of the third string guys, to be quite honest with you, as far as the defensive tackles go. So, yeah, man, I mean, Quiddy's, Quiddy's going to he's gonna play. He's going to start. He's going to make plays. He's going to make a difference. The Colts, that's who they wanted. When the draft started, Luke and I talked about this back at the time, it was basically Quiddy pay or trade back. They were not going to draft Jalen Phillips based on his character issues and a lot of other things that people don't know about but they loved Quiddy. they loved his attitude they loved everything about him and if he fell to the Colts they were going to take him and it's you know and and that's and that's what happened and they're going to they're going to put him right in there and he's going to play and uh like luke said man he's he's come out he's shown what he can do in a short amount of time and like he also said you know, it's not always an easy thing throwing a throwing a guy in there, especially a defensive end. It sometimes takes those guys a little bit longer to develop. But Cody's got things that you can't teach. I mean, his get off his his short area speed and quickness are are really second to none. And he really does have a good chance at being in the top three or maybe even winning the defensive rookie of the year, because he's got all that talent around him. He's extremely talented. He's a playmaker. So I'm really excited to see him. And I think he's going to make a big difference on our defense. I think we got younger at that position. Obviously, Justin Houston leaves. We lose Danico. We bring in Quiddy. We bring in Dio. I think in the end we get better there. Um, And I think it's going to be, you know, a fun season. Hopefully everything works out. As far as health goes, that's always a big question mark with, you know, when you go through these seasons. But, I mean, I'm excited, man. I mean, I was really disappointed we didn't go after anybody in free agency, but that's why Chris Ballard's Chris Ballard. Look at what the strength of the defense is now. It's a defensive line. So, really excited to get this thing going, man. The the game with Seattle is uh, just two weeks away. So, uh, live bullets start flying soon, and it's going to be fun to see. And I think, you know, outside of a few injuries to a couple of backups, I think we're in good position with that. But like Luke said, man, Quiddy's done an outstanding job in the, in this preseason, and uh, hopefully it carries over to a regular season. I think it will.
1: Yeah, and to be able to start next to a guy like DeForest Buckner your rookie year is obviously a huge advantage for immediate productivity. And you brought up a great point last week. They didn't use him properly at Michigan. So I think there's a lot of things he really shouldn't have – Probably fallen to us where we got him. So it was a steal of a pick. And hopefully we see that carry over immediately because he's going to have to be a plug and play day one guy. And because you don't have Autry back and because you don't have Houston back, that opportunity will be there right away for pay to make a difference. You brought up something before also, Jason, which I thought was interesting the concussion to George Odom. And yesterday, Patman and Strawn, not great gunners. They were not great on special teams you figure one of them is automatically going to make the roster. But that last spot, that sixth wide receiver spot, does it go to and to play special teams and to be a gunner, especially if you don't have Odom? Now, with the concussion, it should be a week, maybe 10 days max. And we have 15 days a week or two weeks from tomorrow would be our first game. Today, Saturday, tomorrow, week off, then the following week, the game. So Odom should be back for that depending on – how severe the concussion is, but I would assume he's back for week one, but could that play a factor? I assume it could play a factor. And then either way, do you want a better gunner on the roster regardless? In addition to George Rodham, I think will be a question raised this week or over the next two weeks for Chris Ballard to decide on who's going to be that sixth wide receiver, unless he sees somebody else being able to fill that spot. Because as you mentioned, neither guy good yesterday on special teams.
0: No, they're pretty terrible, I mean, to be quite honest with you. And and listen, it is a very, very interesting situation. If you look at it, Doolin is is basically a Pro Bowl special teams player. George Odom is an all-pro special teams player. George Odom has a concussion. Now, those things can either clear quickly or sometimes they can linger. They're, it's not something you want to play with. So you don't really know for sure right now what's going to go on with that. But the secondary issue here is – Patman got injured last night he hurt his foot so you don't know if that's going to be one of those things that pops up and is more serious than they thought because you don't know with the Colts you know you get you get through a game they'll say well this guy was injured this guy's injured but we got through it good and then Wednesday comes around and there's three four guys on IR so you just don't know but if Patman is in any way significantly injured it makes the decision easier because then you just keep strong and dueling and you wait for for Odom to come back i think that sixth spot at wide receiver is a is a very interesting position and i also think the safety position is interesting i think cheshire has has earned a a roster spot on this team but i know that ballard really likes sean davis from florida but he has not played well. and I, So I, I don't know how they're going to handle the safety spot either. But we do know George Odom is going to be in and be on the roster. The question is, will he be ready for week one? But as far as I'm concerned, Patman and Strong both have shown that they are are they? They are good enough. They're they're one of the top six wide receivers on the team. But again, you have to be able to play special teams when you're a back end receiver or a back end corner or a back end safety. And those two guys, is I mean, strong was horrible. So I don't even think that's an option. Patman got destroyed. I, I don't know what they're going to do because the thing of the thing that makes the Colts you know, such a complete team is their special teams is it, it? it's top three easily. It could be number one. I haven't looked at the stats, but it's, it's, they're good at everything on special teams. So you lose a guy like Doolin or you lose a guy like, Oh, if you lose both, I mean, that seriously hampers your ability to get down the field and make plays. And we know that both of those guys, both Doolin and Odom are, I mean, they're pro bowlers point blank. So that's a tough, that's not an easy decision. You don't want to lose Strawn. You don't I think Strawn's got the number five spot locked in, but who knows? I mean, who knows? Patman's played extremely well. So, I mean, it it's a very tough decision. I'm gonna trust whatever decision they make because they know these guys. They know, I mean, it's Ballard. I, I trust him. He's he, he doesn't make a lot of bad decisions, but it is an interesting situation. It's certainly something that bears watching. There's going to be a lot of talented guys that get caught from this roster. Just based on what I've seen running backs, backup defensive linemen, they've they got the wide receivers, they've got players all over the field. He's done an outstanding job of building up the, the, the competition and just the overall depth of the roster. And unfortunately, you probably not going to keep everybody on the practice squad. So a lot of interesting decisions, and one other thing I wanted to point out, Luke. Because I mean, I, I know of Zach Hicks. He probably won't, but if he listens to this, this is a shout out to him. I want to just point out how great Rodrigo Blankenship was this preseason. <laughs> he made. He basically is the reason we won all these games because he they brought him in. He kicked like what six field goals. Yeah. So uh, Pinero, that's
1: Panero. Panero is also perfect before we released him. Yeah, my
0: preseason MVP uh, is a, is a shout out to Zach Hicks. It's uh it's it's hot rod.
1: He was money. He was 100% well, kickers in general. How important kickers are. I don't think Zach Zach specifically hates Hot Rod. I think he just hates the position. No, he hates
0: kickers. Yeah, he hates kickers. Zach just doesn't like kickers. And to (laughs) a a degree, I I get what he's saying. Me too. Because you always want to be aggressive, and and if you can get seven, get seven. But if you don't have a good kicker, and we didn't in 2019, you see how much it can affect wins and losses. Yeah, well, is that –
1: is it the aggression? Or it might be a balance of the two, but is it the aggression or is it the fact – that a kicker could sit on the sideline for 59 minutes and then enter a game where you just had all these incredible athletes battling it out for an hour and a half or three hours, and then that kicker comes in, that scrawny little kicker, and him kicking a kick between these two yellow bars determines which team wins and loses. I think it's how much value the kicker, who's the worst athlete on the team, possesses. I think that's, in addition... To not being aggressive is why he hates kickers so much. Because if you think about it, it's pretty stupid that like, could you imagine in the NBA, all of a sudden you had some random scrunny guy come out and he has to shoot from half court to see if your team wins or loses? I mean,
0: it's a good point, but I kind of view him a little
1: differently. I look at him as
0: closers. Like you come in, your 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 offense drives down the field. You gotta if you got a good click, if you've got a good kicker, it's like having a closer. They win the game, they lose the game. It, it's a closer to me. Yeah, but um, the closer, I, I'm think, more more of a, respect,
1: I think they respect the closer more because the closer is like a superior pitcher. It's a pitcher that comes in and throws 100 miles an hour every single time he comes in the game. So, But I do know what you're saying.
0: They're just part of the game, dude. I don't know they what are. else to say. Yeah.
1: And we have a good one and a young one and yeah. a guy who's going to continue to get better. And I wish Pinero the best. I think he is a kicker. I think he's a top 32 kicker in the national football league. And I hope to see him kick somewhere this season. That'd be great for him. And it would also hopefully show and prove
0: I said, hopefully not in our division.
1: No, hopefully not in our division. If it is in our division, then I wish him the worst. And I hope he's awful. But as long as you go somewhere it, 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 else, somewhere in the just NFC, against us. You, just against us. Of course. Unless it's the Titans, then I'll probably root for him to miss against everybody because that'll go down to the wire this year. But Jags, Texans, (laughs) sure, go wild against everybody except the Colts because I don't think either team will be that good this year. (laughs) But as far as the battle goes, and just I'll touch on this real quick, this was Blankenship's job all along. I did see people on Twitter saying this wasn't a real competition And I would challenge that. I don't think this was intentionally a real competition. Maybe when they first brought in Panero, it was just another leg for practice, another leg for the preseason, just to have a couple kickers at practice, as they did all those years with Adam Venetari before he got awful in 2019. But like in his prime, they always had multiple kickers in camp because that's just what you do. You bring in extra legs for camp. So at first, it might not have been a real competition, but I think, Pinero was so good that he created a competition to the point where he put enough pressure on hot rod where if hot rod was off on he was miss, missing kicks in the preseason he would have taken the job because he came in and he was perfect and he was kicking from 40 plus I think he made one I think he made one from like 47 or 48 and he has a strong leg and last year I think with Chicago he hit a couple from 50 so he's a good kicker And he definitely came in. And if it wasn't a real competition, he made it a real competition. And I think he'll go somewhere and be a kicker in this league. And then our guy, Hot Rod, respect the specs. He did his thing. He never missed. He was literally perfect, not only in the preseason, but also in training camp. And then six for six in the preseason. So he solidified his job. Any questions the Colts may have had have been answered. He's our kicker. And the rest is history. So shout out to him. He was the MVP this preseason, we don't go 3-0 and if he misses a couple kicks. And then if you go back to 2019, if we had better production from our kicker, we probably go 500. Maybe we win 9-10 games. Who knows? Because we had so many close 1-2 point losses or games that went to overtime that could have been won with an extra point or could have been won with a 42-yard field goal that weren't and were lost by a couple of points. I remember back in 2019, I think our first like nine games of the season were decided by seven points or less. And we had a kicker kicking 68% on extra points that year. So I'm glad you brought that up because Rodrigo Blankenship definitely deserves the respect. He earned it and he'll be our kicker come week one and throughout the duration of the season.
0: Yeah, I think it was uh, I think it was a smart move by Ballard. I think it was one of those things where he was mentally testing, uh, Blankenship he did wasn't just gonna hand it to him after a good season and I I do disagree with those people that say it wasn't a competition I think in the beginning like you said it was he was more of a guy that's just okay let's see how he handles this but when he started making everything and and then Blankenship had to make everything too I mean he didn't have to make everything but I mean he had to be he had to be good I think it was a good test I think it was a smart move and Blankenship came through with flying colors and I absolutely think Panera will get a job somewhere else. He's certainly an NFL caliber kicker. You saw that on display. He can kick off. He can he can kick it from distance. He he's a solid kicker. Definitely an NFL kicker. But Blankenship was money, man. He made everything. He kicked off well. Yeah. I mean, I feel I feel confident about it and I feel good about him. Especially inside fifty. Uh he's really I mean, the, the only question with blankenship has always been kind of outside fifty for me. But he's made I think he made a fifty-three yarder in preseason. So, you know, he's done a good job. And, uh, and, and, you know, when he was challenged, because everybody gets challenged, whatever position group you're in or whatever on this roster, you're going to get challenged. He's going to bring players in that are going to push you. And if you don't do your job or, you, you know, you have a really bad training camp, you might not have a job. So I thought he did a great job. I mean, not just with the kicking, but with the mental aspect of having another guy there that's an NFL caliber kicker, not just some scrub they picked up. It was an NFL caliber kicker. So – I thought he did a great job. It's really, you know, it's really good for him. I, I think it gives a lot of people confidence in him within the organization. And uh, certainly, I think the fans, you know, have a lot of confidence in him. And And so that that is good. I mean, I do think kickers r- do matter in this game. And I think if you have a good one, you certainly have the advantage over a team that has a bad one. So, uh, you know, he had an outstanding rookie year. And, and, and hopefully he can pick it up and keep it going this year.
1: Yeah, and I don't know what else you want to touch on. I feel like we're leaving something out. Just real quick on the quarterbacks, I thought Eason bounced back yesterday nice because he was not good in the second game. In his two starts, though, he looked good. In the first game, we raved about him. And then yesterday, he was safe. I thought it was a safe game, but I thought he did a better job. There was a couple third downs I was really impressed with. There was one third and long. I want to say it was like third and 12 maybe, and he had two guys coming at him. And he got the ball off to Strawn for a first down. And he knew he was going to take a hit. And he stood in there. He stood tall. He stood strong. He delivered the pass right in between the numbers to Strawn. Pick up the first down. He had another big first down on third to maybe Patman. So I thought he was much better. And he finishes the preseason with no interceptions. Didn't throw any touchdowns. But also didn't have any interceptions, had the one fumble in the first game, not entirely his fault. And obviously he cleaned it up because in the next two games, even last week, as bad as he was, he didn't fumble. He didn't have any turnovers. So I was happy with Easton yesterday. I thought he bounced back nice and at least by default, if nothing else, I thought he won the job anyway, but at least by default with Ellinger going down, unfortunately, and Godspeed on a quick and speedy recovery for Ellinger. Him going down, I guess, solidifies it for Eason. And then Ellinger started the day very well. Three for three, 63 yards, had the bomb to Patman. It was a 60-yard bomb to Patman where he escapes pressure. He runs around. It was almost Johnny Manziel-like at Texas A&M. Escapes, knew he was going to get hit, let it go, Put it out there. Obviously, Patman was wide open. It was a broken play in the secondary because they probably thought he got sacked. And then Patman made a nice catch on the other end. And that was a nice highlight. And one of the bigger, more explosive plays we've seen, at least in the passing game, because then Jackson had the big 40-yard touchdown run. But it was one of the bigger, more explosive plays we've seen in the passing game this preseason. And it was turning nothing into something And it's that intangible, it's this slipperiness in the pocket and then keeping his eyes downfield and being able to make a play rather than escaping and running for a gain of two or three. He was able to look downfield, find the open man, get the ball off. And a guy who doesn't have the strongest arm put the ball out there in space for Patman to go get it. And I thought it was a great play. So unfortunately, he got hurt in this game. But it could also be a blessing in disguise if they were to cut him and now maybe he'll be able to be on the pup or something like that where they could keep him around and it might be a little bit easier for him to stick around with the organization. So you could always try to look at a glass half full one way or another. But unfortunately, he goes down and he was off to a good start yesterday. So it sucks to see. Yeah, and, and
0: listen, I think Ellinger's an exciting player, but I thought Easton was the more consistent player. If you look at the two guys, I mean I think Ellinger made more kind of wild plays as far as moving around, throwing on the run and all that. He made a lot of a lot of really good wild plays, but he also made some wild plays the other direction. And that's you know, that's where he's got to improve. I do think there's a lot of positives with Ellinger, but at the end of the day, when you compare the two of them and the two preseasons, the two training camps, all this stuff, you know, I, I think I think Eason won the backup job, fair and square. I think most people would say that, unless you're a Texas fan or an Ellinger fan. And I am. I like Ellinger a lot. I, I think probably more than you do, Luke, uh, just based on his, you know, his intangibles and all that stuff. But I definitely think he's got he's got some uh, ways to go. He's got some room to grow, as does Eason. But I think it's a little shorter distance with Eason. You know, I think I think it was a good preseason for both of them. They both learned. They both got. And that's, I mean, that's been what's been so great about this preseason is having it being able to see these guys go out there and play good or bad, make mistakes, whatever. That's how you learn. You learn from watching yourself on film, learning, okay, the defense did this. I shouldn't have done this. And you can have that film. But when you don't play any preseason games like last year, you can see how it could, you know, it could affect young players. So basically, like we've said on this podcast, it was like having two rookie quarterbacks. Eason did have a little bit of an advantage because he you know he was in the offense. He knew it a little better, but, Ellinger got to play some games, you know, so it kind of evened out. At the end of the day, though, like we said, Eason more consistent. No, he didn't throw any touchdowns, but he also didn't throw any picks. And I just think, you know, Ellinger is kind of more of a a gunslinger, I think, in the sense that he he makes some bad decisions. Obviously, Eason's got a way bigger arm and can make all the outside the numbers throws that, that Ellinger struggles with. But at the end, you know, like we said, I mean, Easton earned it. You know, hopefully, they're not, hopefully, nothing happens to Wentz. I would like to see Wentz play 16 games and get us in the playoffs and 17. Oh, yeah, 17 games, get us in the playoffs, maybe take us to the Super Bowl. You don't know. I, I think the wild card with this team is getting Dio. I think that is going to have a huge impact on our team going forward in the second half of the year. I think we will probably get him activated or. Back on the field in October I'm not sure when he's actually going to be back on the on the game field that I don't know but I think he's coming along in his in his uh you know in his, in his rehab and I think he's going to be back sooner than later as long as long as he has no setbacks obviously and then you know Fisher should be back in September sometime so things are looking up for the Colts hopefully the guys that got hurt are are going to be able to you know make it back by week one obviously you know, Allinger and Tebby probably, you know, that they're probably looking at IR the way that that uh that Reich was talking about those guys. But hopefully, they they you know they they get get better soon and get back on the field. Uh, you never want to see anyone get injured. But as a whole, man, with the way I mean, Luke, with the way our training camp and and all that started with the friggin', you know, the injury to Carson, the injury to the you know this guy, that guy, all these foot injuries it, it, to to have it wrap up. The way it has not even I mean the undefeated preseason great whatever I don't really care about that I know Luke probably you don't really either but to have it wrap up with everything looking up mm-hmm. as opposed to how it started when training camp started it was like Jesus are you kidding me like he's already hurt like it, it was yeah. such a negative depressed kind of a down time but luckily everything seemed to go well for Carson Quentin's getting better um should be back kelly hopefully will be back um you know it looks like things are going in the right direction and that's what you really want heading into the to the regular season and you know route the gate you got two really good teams and then you got a divisional game that's probably one of the most important games of the year in week three um so definitely going to be a tough start to the season but i feel like the colts you know really having that preseason and going into it with with uh you know, a lot. All hands on deck for the most part, I think, is a really positive thing, and, and gives a lot of us hope as far as you know. This is going to be a good team, and it's going to be a great season.
1: True. You might disagree with me, but I would trade this three zero in the preseason for three zero in the regular season.
0: Oh uh, no, Luke. I, I think I, I think Rick Venturi just entered the chat, and I think he would rather keep. The it's like the August Super 10.
1: Bowl because it is. Coaches were coaching, <laughs> players, were <playing. laughs> players were playing. It's like the Super Bowl. <laughs> Cause I, it said is. I, I said I wasn't going to Coming out AFC. to the Buffalo Bills, two AFC teams playing the Super Bowl. Oh, God. That's why we I do this. We I got grown men. Ma- listen, guys. I I- Quiddy Pay might be a rookie. Might be a rookie. He's a grown man. He's a football player. He's and listen, guys. Luke Diamond of For the Culture so- tweeted this yesterday. If Ryan Grigson today was a general manager in the National Football League, the culture trade him Deion Jackson for a first round pick. Not to get confused with the Quell Jackson who punched a pizza boy, but Dion Jackson, first round pick, undrafted free agent, just like that. <laughs> Man, I that miss, is I miss, well. I miss Chuck. I do miss uh, the Chuck. I miss goofs. the jokes. I miss the yeah, laughter. The I miss laughing so we don't cry.
0: Yeah, I mean that's dude. Those spoofs got me through two thousand
1: seventeen. Spoofs <laughs> and Jack Daniels got me through two thousand seventeen, <laughs> and so. spoofs and Johnny Walker Black got Ursay through two thousand sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. He was in his
0: he was in his office for like a month after the season. <laughs> and the entire GM.
1: So yeah. <laughs> One more thing I want to bring up, Jason. The backup running back spot. I don't think Benny Lemay is gonna make this roster. No, But Dion Jackson makes a late push to make a case because he's interesting. He's a power guy, but he catches a touchdown, and he also shows breakaway speed for a 41-yard touchdown. So he shows a lot of elements, especially at that position, where it's not rare to draft a guy late or sign an undrafted free agent that turn into – a 1000 yard running back and it'll be very difficult in the first couple of years, obviously, or at any point sitting behind Jonathan Taylor to be that guy. But the way they use Jordan Wilkins, it's just such a head scratcher to me, right? Because you look at it like this, Wilkins has always been better than his carries i would say in indianapolis he's always been better than the workload they've given him we've said that for years and then we think last year might be his year to be the number two in terms of carries Hines being more of a receiving threat out of the backfield and then mac gets hurt and it's like we never really saw that they draft jonathan taylor who immediately leapfrogs him on the depth chart even when mac goes down or a couple years ago when mac got hurt and then they had that guy who who was a, came off the practice squad. He oh, ran for like 200 um, yards in two Jonathan weeks. Williams. Jonathan, Jonathan Williams. Williams. He did a great job. But Wilkins got hurt those two games. The two games that Matt got hurt, he also got hurt. So he's just continued to lose opportunity, whether it be an injury, just bad luck, which could also go into being – an injury could also be bad luck. The timing just never worked out for him. Then last year we thought, okay, next year could be the year, and it definitely would have been with Mac getting hurt, but they draft Jonathan Taylor, who emerges into probably the third best back in all of football last year behind Henry and Cook. So, again, Jordan Wilkins misses out on an opportunity. Now you figure, okay, going into the draft, we might have holes here and then undrafted free agents. We have a couple holes here on the roster or positions that could use depth. We didn't have a whole at running back. You have Taylor, you re-signed Mack, you have Hines, and you have Wilkins. You figure, okay, that four is going to go into the season together. Maybe you pick up an undrafted free agent, but you don't go out on a limb and make a running back the highest paid undrafted free agent. They gave him a signing bonus for a reason. They really liked this guy. But then you go into the preseason. What I find interesting is they didn't act like it was a competition, Yesterday, Jordan Wilkins had one carry for one yard, and he comes out of the game. So, to me, that looks like a guy whose spot is solidified. If you go in as a veteran, a third, fourth-year guy, and you get one carry, it tells me, okay, your job is safe. It's not Taylor safe. It's not Mack safe. It's not Hines' safe, but it's safe. It means that you probably have a spot on this roster. But then Jackson goes off 10 carries, 81 yards in the touchdown, and the receiving touchdown, two touchdowns yesterday. So they gave Jackson all this money. He had a bigger opportunity in the preseason, and you don't really let Wilkins compete for the job. You basically just give all the opportunity to Jackson, who you already gave that signing bonus to. So it's weird because if you cut Jackson, why would you give him all that money? And what did he do wrong to get cut? And then with Wilkins... Why didn't you give him more of an opportunity to take that job from Jackson? So it's just like weird how they handled that to me.
0: That that's a good point. I think they they've got two options here. They they can they can you know see if any team is interested in Jordan Wilkins and trade him, which I've always thought was was something that they would be looking into because they just seemingly don't like him very much, and he doesn't have a lot of tread on the tires. Whoever got him would be getting a fresh back really. That would be my first thing. Like maybe they try to trade him and put keep Dion on the roster because I don't think they're going to keep I, keeping five running backs. Just would be insane. So I, I think that's the first option. And then the other option is you just you release him and you pray that nobody picks him up and you and you sign him to the practice squad and then he's on your team. You know he's a part of your your team until somebody. And then you just stash him. That's what I. That's what I think is going to happen. I think they're going to release him and they're going to pray that he gets on the. The practice squad and you just have them stashed there because i i mean unless somebody trades for jordan wilkins and i don't know the running back situation around the league i really only know the colts and you know the teams in our division i mean maybe i mean would you trade them you wouldn't trade them to the team to jacksonville i mean you wouldn't trade them because they lost you know like they're, they lost their number the one pick. yeah so i mean you could trade them there but you don't want to trade them within the division, so, I mean, I don't know, man. It's a it's an interesting dilemma because I thought maybe they would have traded him last year because they just don't use him. I mean, they just do not use him, and he's a good player. So I don't know what they're gonna. You're right. They love Jackson, and they seemingly don't like Wilkins as much. So that's an interesting that's an interesting storyline to see what happens there. Maybe a trade or something like that. But, yeah, they – they you know, Jackson – if they do lose Jackson, that's going to be a little – that's going to be a disappointment because they put some money into getting him, not a ton when you really consider it, but still, and they clearly like him. And if – you know, and he, he's clearly a guy that next year could, could – when Wilkins does leave, could be your – could be your, you know, your fourth back. So we'll see what happens. I think they're going to try to stash him. Uh, I think they're going to do that with a couple of guys and you can only hope. I mean, I mean, the film doesn't lie. You watch him on film. The guy can play Tariq blacks. Another guy I like that. I think, you know, probably going to be a practice squad guy, Tyler Vaughn's another guy. I mean, we, there's guys I like that. I hope make the, you know, get on our practice squad. There's, but I'm sure there's teams around the league that, you know, Tariq black could be a six receiver for Tyler Vaughn. So, you know, we just have to see how it plays out. But, in the end, it's kind of a good problem to have because it shows yeah. how much depth you have on the roster. So uh, that's what we wanted to get to, and we're there. My main concern right now is just Rock at corner. I know I mentioned that earlier in the show that he got beat. He's just so bad in press coverage. He's good. He's fine in, in zone, but when you put him out there on press, he's just if he doesn't get if he. If he doesn't get his hands on the receiver, it's a touchdown. If he gets his hands on the receiver, it's pass interference. It's just, it, and it's it's been that way pretty much his whole career, and it's it's kind of unsettling, but it is what it is. I don't know if Flus is going to roll with, you know, may, I mean Isaiah Rogers had a great a great camp. Maybe they roll with him. Tell hasn't had a very good camp. Carry, you know, has been okay. You just don't know what they're going to do there. I, I, looking back now, I kind of wish they would have taken. A corner instead of Sean Davis because we're really, really thin at corner because we just don't have a lot of consistent guys. I mean, Zabe is – Kenny's our best corner. Zabe is our most probably consistent outside corner. And after that, I mean, it's really a toss-up between all the guys. I mean, Rock is just – He's just so bad in press coverage, man. I I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't understand how he can be so good in in, in zone and so bad in press, but that's where we're at with him.
1: To me, it's just an interesting situation, but it's not a bad situation because either way you're going to round out this roster with four legitimate (laughs) NFL running backs, and I wish we had that same problem at tackle where it's the opposite, and now that Tevi goes down, who we thought might have gotten cut Regardless, now you might have to go out this week and claim somebody as a third tackle to bring into the season until Fisher comes back.
0: I absolutely hope that's what happens because I'll tell you right now, Holden has looked horrible. Davenport's been fine, but uh, Holden's looked terrible. And, and Tevye was bad before him. I'm not going to say too much about him. We all, if you want to hear my opinion on Tevye, listen to last week's show, the preview or whatever, but, um, I, I hope this drives Ballard to go out and get a guy that's that's legitimately decent. We cannot keep trying to get swing tackles, basically sign a turd and hope it turns into gold. That's yeah. not how it works. They're a turd for a reason. So, and I'm just this is bad metaphors by Jason, but you know <laughs> what I'm saying. Yeah. We've got to go out and get a guy that has some upside that can play, that's got a little bit of experience. Because, I mean, Holden is just – I mean, honestly, if we're being real right now, I don't think Holden has earned a spot on this team. If he makes it, it's by default. That's it. So, to me, Ballard, I hope, has looked at the line and said, okay, we're good at center, we're good at, at guard, but Lord have mercy, are we bad – is our depth bad at tackle? We've got to get another tackle. Yep. So, hopefully, that's what happens. I mean, because there are teams with, with offensive line you know, depth Tackle depth, maybe not interior depth, but tackle depth that are going to probably release tackles that are better than Will Holden, and so we really need to look at that. And hopefully we will. Obviously, the cutdown day comes, but that does that does not necessarily mean those guys are going to be on the roster week one because you have to see what else is out there. So, and waiver claims and all that stuff take time. So. We'll see what happens, but yeah, man, the the tackle position is just uh, Davin out. I mean, if Davenport were to get hurt week one, um, we're in deep trouble. Mm-hmm.
1: Or Smith for that matter,
0: right? Because we, I mean, Holden has looked terrible. Fry's struggled last game, you know, against the the, the Lions. Not not great. The offensive line has not been great this preseason. So that's a ca- You know, take that with a caveat of most of the starters have not played. But also take it with this caveat: if they get hurt during the regular season, these are the guys you're going to see. Yep. The only guy I really feel super confident about is really Chris Reed, um, the guy we got from the Panthers, and he plays guard. So, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be one of those things. Pray that our tackles don't get injured, either one of them, mm-hmm. uh, because then you're looking at Julian Davenport, who's been okay. But then, I mean, then you're one more injury away from who knows. So we'll see what happens. Well, yeah, the corner position and the, and the tackles on the offensive line are my biggest concerns going forward into this season.
1: Me too. So that wraps it up. Preseason's in the books. Still some question marks. Some questions to be answered with the roster cutdowns coming. What day this week, right, Jason? Yeah,
0: yeah. I think it's uh, I think it's Monday. I could Monday. be wrong, but I think,
1: yeah, I think because I think the la- they do it two days
0: after the last preseason game. I could be wrong. Could be Sunday. Don't don't quote me on it. I think it's either Sunday or Monday. Yeah, well, either
1: way, it's this upcoming week. So by the middle of the week, for sure, by Tuesday, we will know the 53-man roster going into week one. And there could, of course, be changes from the initial cut down to week one. But you'll get the basic gist of where we're at heading into the first week against the Seattle Seahawks. There could potentially be a claim or two maybe at the tackle position The rest of the, maybe at corner, for the most part, I think at the rest of the roster, we're pretty, there's more questions on who we're going to cut rather than where are we going to find the guy? I think we have an abundance of players at more positions than we have a lack of players, really just the 100%. tackle spots, The only spot I could think about. So that wraps it up, Jason three, 0 in the preseason, first time we finished the preseason undefeated since 1994. And all of a sudden we're zero and zero going into week one against the Seattle Seahawks. So we'll be back this week, midweek, maybe a little bit earlier, maybe Tuesday, Wednesday, we'll go over the 53 man roster. We'll talk about, the answers to some of the questions we had on today's podcast that Ballard will answer for us by releasing the initial 53-man roster for the 2021-2022 regular season. That's my man, Jason Spears. I'm your host, Luke Diamond, and this is the For The Culture Podcast. Today's episode of the For The Culture Podcast is brought to you by our friends at Cannadips CBD. They are the nation's leader in tobacco and nicotine-free dip. It's the alternative with cannabis instead of nicotine and tobacco it's a fast-acting and innovative way to consume cbd that works and tastes great plus you won't have to play sneak at you with your wife during football season which is right around the corner and thanks to our friends at CBD, they present the game of the year that's right the game of the year one winner will be chosen on august 31st entry is easy you just head to Canadip's. CBD.com, that's C A N N A D I P S, CBD.com, and click the link or visit candidate's main Instagram page and look for the blue check mark. One winner will be chosen and can bring a plus one to any Colts game this regular season. That's right. They are picking one winner on August 31st to bring a plus one to a Colts game of your choosing this regular season. But wait, there's more. Airfare for two with luxury hotel and lodging will be included with great seats for the game. Guys, I don't know why you wouldn't head to CanadaDipsCBD.com. Check them out on Instagram. Check them out on Twitter. CanadaDips, that's C-A-N-N-A-D-I-P-S cbd.com it's like dip you put a little bit behind your lip no nicotine no tobacco no reason to not go check these guys out and enter to win a free ticket to any colts regular season game of your choosing you get to bring a friend you could bring a girl you could bring your buddy you could bring whoever you want the lodging the airfare it's luxurious It's free. Go to canadipscbd.com. We thank our friends at Canadips for sponsoring this episode of the For the Culture podcast.